This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. treasures in heaven. Jesus said, he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I would have told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come for you also. We focus so much here. How much time, energy, life, divorce, relationships has been destroyed. People has psychologically had lost it all because of greed, all because of wanting stuff, because they dedicate their lives to getting more. And again, the problem with more is that you always want more. Do you believe that everything you need will be provided by God the Father if you ask? If so, then when He doesn't give you what you ask for, did you need it? Pastor Eddie shows us today that many times we're looking to God with a list of wants rather than actual needs. He says many times that it's for our own benefit that we don't get what we ask for because of the detriment it may have on our walk with God. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6 as he continues his message, False Teachers and True Contentment. Some of these TV evangelists or preachers, teachers, have three or four mansions. Again, people are not doing their research. They're not doing their homework. They're not. Oh, I like what he said. He makes me feel good. I get the goosebumps now. Oh, here it goes. How much you want? It's like, you know, a bug looking at those bug lights. Oh, it's glowing. How much you want? That sounds so good. (laughs) We suppose that godliness is a means of gain. And is it from such withdraw yourself? That's what he said. Listen. Withdraw yourself from me. Stay away from those people. Very simple. And I'm going to give you a list here. Any teacher, preacher, or pastor, number one, who teaches another doctrine, who does not take even the words of Jesus Christ, who is proud, obsessed with disputes, arguments over words, and the fruit of, of his character, envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, if they fit any or they have any of these characters, stay away, Paul says. Stay away. As a matter of fact, in the Greek, is a command. He's commanding you. You see this, you stay away. It's as a parent would tell their child, stay away from that kid. <laughs> you know, he's bad news. He's in trouble. He's, he's 13 years old. He already has a rap sheet. There's a warrant out for his rest, you know. Stay away from him. So Paul says, stay away, false teachers. Doesn't matter if they're popular again. Even have the best-selling books, stay away. Now, verses 3 to 5, false teachers. Now we're going to look at verses 6 to 10, true contentment, true contentment. Verse 6, it says, now godliness with contentment is great gain. It's different from the previous verse, isn't it? The false teacher will give you the false definition of gain. 
Here in verse 6, Paul says, godliness with contentment is not only gain, but he says great gain. You want gain? How about great gain? But it's godliness with contentment. And godliness is not something you work to try to obtain. We are godly in a sense because we belong to God. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Uh, you know, practically we need to, we need to work uh, in everything we do. We, we have to set the example, give a testimony, live a life that glorifies God. We're complete in Christ. So the godliness is there. We put on his righteousness, not because of anything we've done, but because he, what he's done. So the combination of godliness with contentment gives great gain. Contentment means to be satisfied and sufficient and to seek nothing more than what one has. That's what it means to be content. We live in a materialistic world, and I think we're so immune to it that we don't realize it because we live in America. But we're spoiled. And listen, I include myself. There's some things I'd rather have because it's just convenient or because I want it. I'm not perfect. I like what Warren Risby defines contentment. He writes this, an inner sufficiency that keeps us at peace in spite of our outward circumstances. That's contentment. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. Because as Christians, we have all that we need because we have Jesus Christ. Now, to be content, now you have to look at everything you have. Because I could guarantee you if... There's a person here that probably has the least this that has the least among all of us. If we were to just figure out what we have, even the person that has the least in this room or even in America has more than the people in a third world country. But we need to learn to be content, and that's what it is. It's something that has to be learned. Learn. In the same way we learn that we need things, the TV ads, the billboards, the commercials on TV, you gotta have this. And it's funny how. They want to sell you a car, and they break all the laws just to sell your car. They're going reckless driving. Just show what the car can do. You got to have this car. You got to have the latest gadget, and you buy the latest TV. I love this one commercial that showed this guy. I got the latest TV. It's a huge 60-inch TV. It has all the bells and whistles, and just as he puts it up, he sees his neighbor across the street that had a better and bigger one. It's a newer one. He said, I just got this. Or they said this was the latest one. Yeah, but that was, that was two days ago. There's a new one now. And you just got to keep up, you know. It's impossible. We're not content. But it's something you have to learn. We're so, you know, we get so caught up. Even if you're on Facebook, all the ads are there. YouTube, all the ads are there. How about this? Hey, shop now. Press here. Everywhere. It's just you have to have things, 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 things. But we have to learn to be content, something you have to learn. This is what Paul said. This is what Paul wrote to the church of Philippi. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 12, he writes this. Not that I speak in regards to need, for I have learned, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. This should be the goal of a Christian. I know how to be a base and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul lived large when he was a Pharisee. Pharisees were wealthy. Coming to Christ, he was a tent maker in order to support the ministry. He knows. He said, I had to learn. Something I had to learn. Because I wasn't raised that way. I had everything. 
2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. God is the one that supplies. We should be satisfied. We should be content. But the false teachers will tell you no. There is even false teachers that actually said, Jesus Christ cannot come until you have your house, your mansion, until you're rich. There are false prophets that would teach that. They teach the other way around. They're going to answer to God. Look what the psalmist write. The psalmist write in Psalms chapter 84, verse 11. I give it to you, the New Living Translation. It says, for the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. Anything that's good that you need, not want. There's a difference. We want. We've been accustomed to want things. But God would not withhold no good thing from you. It's so bad that I looked at this documentary. It was a Kurt Cameron. He was speaking to a woman. Uh, I forgot her expertise or title. But she says, since the cell phones, this generation since the cell phone has been destroyed, they don't know what it is to wait They can have everything that they want and need just by pressing on their phone. You want information? Google it. You want to buy some? Amazon. It's in your house in a couple of days if you have Prime, right? Everything. So they're so accustomed to having everything now. They don't know what it is to wait. They can't even wait for their phone to go from one app to the other. You know, and I was like that. I realized until I, I heard this guy says, why are people so impatient? You know, your cell phone, it receives information from a satellite. Now, I'm no scientist, but I think that's thousands of miles up in the air. But think about the information that you want on your phone, wherever it's coming from. It got to hit the satellite, come down, and you want any faster than that? That's amazing. That's amazing. But we want things now. We want it now. God would not keep withhold any good thing from you. You may say, well, you know, I've been a Christian. I've been praying for a new car. I've been praying for a bigger house and maybe a, a raise or a promotion. And it's been years now. Oh, you don't have it because God doesn't think you need it. You're a parent. You know you have kids. And mommy, I want that. I want this. I want that. And you say, no, you don't need that. You want it, Yes. But I know when I buy it, you're going to play with it for one day and it's back. It's going to be on the lawn next week. God knows. The Lord is sufficient. He withholds no good thing from those who do what's right. If you don't have it because God knows, it's going to bring distraction to you. It's, It's going to distract you from actually spending time with the Lord, lose focus when you should be trusting, depending on the Lord. You don't have a new car? Well, be satisfied that you have a car. There are people that have to walk to work. I hear it all the time, and I think it's beautiful where, you know, they always, some good Samaritan, a good person, they find, they see this person walking to work every day, 
miles and miles, and they all chip in to get them a car. I think that's a beautiful thing. But there are people still like that. They walk for miles. You know, the more you want, the more you have to care for it. (laughs) The more you have to care for it, whether it's material things, the bigger the house, the more work. The bigger the property, the more work. The more bills you're going to get. You make your investment, guess what? You're going to be checking your investment all the time. You have to work on that. The more you have, the more you have to care for it, the more you work. And you become a slave to those things. How many times do you hear people say, if I could just have a little bit more? If I could have a chest, if I could just have a million dollars. Then you figure out today's economy. You can't even supersize your fries with that. Because by the time you take care of every, all your bills and you can take care of everybody, it is really nothing. They say, how about, two, how about two million? The problem with just a little bit more is that you will always want just a little bit more. That's the problem with that. Just understand the saints, if there's a real need, if there's a real need in your life, God will supply your needs. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19, it says, and, may, and my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How rich is our Lord? So he will supply your needs according to his riches. And he's a rich God. And always remember, he will supply all your needs, not your wants. When I first read this, I said, wow, that's really convicting. I wanted a Harley Davidson. But God knows it's not a need. I know Judy is praying against it. I'm accident prone. So the reason why I don't have it is because God said you don't need it, especially you, Eddie. Verse 7, it says, For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Every single one of us was born into the world with absolutely nothing. Just a hair on your head. Nothing. And when you die, when your spirit leaves your body in death, you can't take it with you. Now, I, this famous quote was by Billy Graham, and you probably heard me quote it before. I may have quoted it incorrectly. But he says, I never saw a U-Haul behind a hearse. You know, I Googled that. <laughs> and you know how many pictures I saw with a hearse in a, in a, in a, in a U-Haul a trailer? And I think after he made that comment, people found it, hey, not only it's funny, <laughs> You look at it, it hurts driving, I mean, you know, in, in a U-Haul, in a trailer. <laughs> he can't take that with him. Even if he buries it, it's going to decay, it's going to rot. But Job said in the book of Job, Job said this, Job, in Job chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That is something we should just put on a refrigerator door. <laughs> Comes to Christmas time, this is the, this was the verse you should give your kids. Just kidding. But, sorry kids, if you're listening, it's just a joke. Anyway, you got 11 months to be nice. Just kidding. You can't take anything with you when you die. Your possessions, your money, your gold, your wealth, collectibles. And this is how the Egyptians thought. They thought that, hey, I'm going to bury everything so when I die, you know, I can carry it with me to the afterlife. And guess what? <laughs> if they will wake up, you know, not that they're going to wake up. 
Where's my mummified dog? <laughs> Where's my gold? It's gone. It's stolen. Or oh, it's in a museum. Hello. <laughs> so much. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 21, he says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Nothing, you can't take anything with you. As a matter of fact, the things that you leave behind, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 10 to 12, it says this. Peter writes this, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And here it is, the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will burn up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of person ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be dissolved being on fire and the elements will melt with fervent heat. It's all going to be destroyed. Material things, the things here has no value in heaven, as a matter of fact. Nothing has that value. Even gold, the most precious material here on earth, it means nothing in heaven. As a matter of fact, it's going to be asphalt in heaven. In Revelation chapter 21, it says the streets were as gold. Whether it's literal gold or not, but here's the, the idea is that even the most precious things here, we're going to be walking on it. Oh, you broke gold with you. Okay, just pile it up over there in the corner over there with the rest of the asphalt. We're making a new road here for Eddie because he's accidental. <laughs> it has no value. Learn to be content. And we must learn the realities according to scripture. There's only two things we need. Only two things. Well, aside from the Lord and his word, there's only two things we need. Look what Paul says in verse 8. And having food and clothing, food and clothing with these, we shall be content. This also in the Greek is, is a command. If you read it in the Greek, it's a command. He says, having food and clothing with these, we shall be content. You don't have a lot of money in the bank? I'll be thankful you have a few dollars in your pocket. Learn to be content with food and clothing. You don't have a big house? Be thankful you have a roof over your head and a bed to sleep on. But learn how to be content, as the Bible commands us, with food and clothing. You don't have a new car? Be thankful you have what you have and other means of transportation. But learn to be content with food and clothing. Verse 9, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men into destruction and perdition. Those who desire to be rich are not content. They never will be content with just food and clothing. No, they need more. And they need to show it off to everyone else. But it's a trap. It leads people into bondage. They're not free. I have a friend of mine who's a retired police officer. He was a bodyguard for, for Forbes. And I was invited into... The yacht, they had a special sailing, and it was a big yacht. Helicopter and two speed, and, and, you know. And he just invited me, and I was just, really wasn't on the list. He just invited me to come, and he introduced me to Ford. Um, but the father, the father was suicidal. He saved his life several times, had everything. He was the one that coined the phrase, he who dies with the most toys wins. Think about it. 
Material things are going to burn. Verse 10, he says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Money in and of itself is not the problem, is the love of money. Many times at work, I had people who quote this phrase because it's a very common, popular phrase. They say, money is the root of all evil. I say, you said it wrong. It says, for the love of money is the root of all evil. When you have a desire to have it more and show it off, you know, that's wrong. The love of money drives a person into all kinds of evil. evil. And this is what Paul said. He said, for some have strayed from the faith. So Christian, guard your heart. Saints, guard your heart. Don't be consumed with material things. Do not. It's all going to burn. You can't take it with you. Learn to be content that you have food and shelter and clothing. That's it. You know, our treasures in heaven. Jesus said, he said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. If it weren't so, I wouldn't told you. I go prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come for you also. We focus so much here. How much time, energy, life, divorce, relationships has been destroyed. People have psychologically had lost it. All because of greed. All because of wanting stuff. Because they dedicate their lives to getting more. And again, the problem with more is that you always want more. The problem with money, you never be happy what you have. Look at third world countries. The poorest person in America is far richer. It's a millionaire compared to people in third world countries. Learn to be content. Learn to be happy what you have. And maybe just pray about it. Maybe you have a lot of stuff. Just get rid of it. Sell it. You know, sometimes thinking about that, you know, I say, you know what? That's so much stuff. Stuff I don't need. And you just think about it. You say, wow, that people don't have. Saints, be content with what you have. It's something you have to learn. And let me tell you something. When we learn anything, when we, we try to grow in our faith and and want the Holy Spirit to strip away things from our lives. You want to learn the good thing is we have the Holy Spirit to help us with it. You're never going to learn anything alone. You're never left alone. The Lord's not going to say, well, go figure it out yourself and learn how to be content. No, the Holy Spirit is there. He would work in you. He works alongside you to help you, help you to be an employee. Help you to learn to be an employee. So to, to give a great testimony in your, in your job. You may win some to come to Christ. Learn how to be content. All these things. And of course, be careful with false teachers. False teachers will tell you, you need to have these things. Or the reason why you don't have those things, you're going to have enough faith. Or because God's not blessing you. (laughs) No, the fact that God didn't give it to me, I'm blessed. Because I know if I would have got what I wanted, I would have been in trouble. And so God knows. Amen. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. We've been looking at some useful and practical advice that the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. This book jumps into what it looks like to be a leader in the church. Paul also doesn't shy away from encouraging those who are young to run with zeal and not grow discouraged. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in spirit, in faith, in purity. If you're facing opposition because of your age, be reminded that Timothy faced similar struggles and God used him mightily. 
just like he can use you too. We're so glad you joined us today for Running the Race. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? If so, Jessica has an invitation for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. On our website, we also have some helpful resources to assist you in what you're learning or how you're studying the Bible. Just click on the Study Helps tab at runningtheraceradio.com. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we look forward to the next edition in the book of 1 Timothy on Running the Race.